All right. Okay. Welcome to another episode of the BQA. We're going to study all about the death and resurrection of our King Mashiach Yahushua. Now, growing up, and I think this is true not just for myself, but also for many people today, uh, we believe that Yahushua died on a Friday. That's why we call it Good Friday. And he was resurrected on a Sunday. I think it's time to put that to the test using the scriptures as our guidance. So the question we're going to answer uh, for tonight is, did the Messiah really die on a Friday? And this was the question upon which this episode is based upon. Dear Brother John, I watch BQA, House of Merchandise, and you mentioned that Christ would be resurrected in three days. I believe this to be true. But according to Luke 23, 53 to 54, NLT, which means New Living Translation, he died on a Friday. If he died on Friday, then he should have resurrected on Monday and not Sunday. Is it more accurate to say that Christ died on Monday and not Sunday, which is believed by many? Thank you. And so the question is, uh, based on what we concluded when we presented the episode on the House of Merchandise, and just to give you an uh, a summary of what we discussed in John 2, 19, 22. This was read during that episode. Yahushua answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this to them, and they believed uh, the scripture and the word which Yahushua had said. And so this was really the basis of the question. Yahushua said, in three days, I will raise it up. And he was referring to the temple of his body, meaning if he were, was to be put to death, he would be resurrected in three days. And so the question is, if he died on Friday, then he should have resurrected on Monday and not Sunday. And this is also believed by many people today. And so when we look at, for example, if he died on Friday, so Saturday, first day, Sunday, second day, uh, Monday is the third day. So the question is, I mean, the, one, the person asking the question is correct. I mean, if it's true that he should have resurrected on the third day, then it should be a Monday and not a Sunday. However, most Christian scholars most Bible scholars believe that Yahushua did die on Friday and resurrected on Sunday. And so how do you reconcile that with the three days according to the Holy Scriptures? Well, according to a noted Bible scholar by the name of Harold Honer from the journal entitled Chronological Aspects of the Life of Christ, this is what he says, the week of the Passion was filled with many events beginning with the Saturday before the Passion Week and ending with the crucifixion of Christ on Friday and the resurrection on Sunday. So this is mainstream Christian belief. Yahushua died on a Friday, resurrected on a Sunday, and this apparently took three days. And so how do they reconcile going from death on Friday and resurrection on Sunday within a span of three days? In that same article, Harold Honer says, when one examines all the evidence, it seems that the New Testament, the Old Testament, and rabbinic literature all agree 
that a part of a day is counted as a whole day and night. And so that's the basis for the belief that Yahusha resurrected on a Sunday and that he died on a Friday. Let's go ahead and look at that. So Friday, he dies. And so even though it's in just a short time, it will be another day, it still counts as a day. So Friday is counted as one day. Saturday is counted as another day. And then he resurrects on Sunday, which is the third day. So you have one day, two day, three day. It fits under this paradigm because under this paradigm, even a part of a day, even if it's a minute or two, two hours or three hours, if it's a part of a day, according to the reckoning of the New Testament, Old Testament, and rabbinic literature, according to the, the author, although I don't agree with the author, that's, uh, that's what he claims, uh, then if it's part of a day, and if it's counted as a whole day, then you have the three days that the Bible is speaking about. So the question we need to test is, did Yahusha really die on a Friday and resurrected on a Sunday? I don't believe this to be true, and we're going to use the scriptures uh, to test this out. What I believe, and again, you don't have to believe what I believe, okay? Um, but this is what I believe, and I'm just going to present to you the reason why I believe this. If you don't agree with me, that's okay. So long as we believe that Yahushua died and he resurrected, that's what matters, right? And so this is what I believe. I believe Yahushua died on a Wednesday, not Friday, and he resurrected on a Sabbath, not a Sunday, okay? We're going to present to you the Bible for uh, the reason why I believe this to be the case. So why do I believe that Yahushua died on a Wednesday? Let's take a look at Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Yahushua said that his ministry is all about fulfilling the law and the prophets. And so when the prophets and Moses and the other writers of the Old Testament wrote about what is to take place in the future, Yahushua would not break that. Instead, he would fulfill that. This is why Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2, 16 to 17, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So according to Yahushua and according to Apostle Paul, Yahushua came to fulfill the Old Testament, including its festivals. This is why in our previous studies, the festivals are a memorial and a rehearsal. Now, in what sense is it a memorial? What do we need to understand about festivals or feasts? Let's go back to the Torah, Leviticus 23, uh, 4 down to 8. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahuwah. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, but you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. And so we studied about the feasts and the festivals uh, in this um, uh, 
Bible studies in the past, right? So I'm sure you already are aware of the festivals. What is the Hebrew meaning of the word feast or festival? We read there Leviticus 23 verse 4, and the Hebrew word used there is moed. And so it's a moedim, which means appointed time. And so when Yahuwah gave us the moedim, or the appointed times, there are seven of them, right? We have the Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits. We have Pentecost. We have Trumpets. We have Day of Atonement. And we have Tabernacles. How many is that? We have seven. All seven are feasts. And the meaning of the word feast is appointed time. In other words, it's a calendar Yahuwah comes up with. Now, when Yahuwah comes up with dates, when Yahuwah comes up with feasts, there is a purpose for that. And we discover that the purpose of the appointed times is for Yahushua to follow them in sequence one after the other. And so what is our belief? Because we have seen this manifested in scripture, which is why in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Apostle Paul says that the fulfillment of the festivals is Yahushua. We believe that Yahushua will not break Moedim. Instead, he will follow the Moedim or the appointed time. So Yahushua's ministry follows the pattern of the Moedim. And so this will give us a big clue when it comes to determining when Yahushua dies and when he will be resurrected. And according to the Moedim, what is the first feast according to Leviticus 23.5. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. And so we know that this is the first festival of Yahuwah. 14th day of the first month. What's the first month again? Aviv, right? The month of Aviv. 14th day of the first month. For this year, 2022, it happens to fall on April the 1st. Okay, so on the 14th day of the first month, it's called Passover. And what is to be done on Passover? Let's read Exodus 12, 5 to 7. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And so what is to take place on the 14th of the first month, which is the day of Passover? What's supposed to happen? They're going to kill or slaughter the lamb, right, as part of the Passover festival. And so when the Passover festival, when the lamb is slaughtered, they're going to take the blood and take some of that blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel. And so this command concerning the killing of the lamb on the 14th of the first month, it's found throughout scripture, Numbers 9.23. On the 14th day of this month, you are to kill the Passover lamb. Second Chronicles, when Josiah kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, the Passover lambs are slaughtered times of Ezra and the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month and they slaughtered the Passover lamb. So we can see throughout scripture, something is supposed to happen, right? On the 14th day of the first month. What is that? 
they're supposed to slaughter the Passover lamb. The Christian era comes, and who becomes the Passover lamb? In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And so who becomes the Passover lamb? Christ. Wait a minute. It doesn't mention that he's the Passover lamb. It just says, for indeed, Christ, our Passover. But don't forget, 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We know Yahusha is called the lamb of God. In Revelation, we find he is slaughtered or slain. And there's a, a reason for that. He is to be the Passover lamb. And we know the lamb during the Old Testament time, they were killed on what day again? The 14th day of the first month. That's the timetable. That's the schedule, the appointed time of Moedim for when the lamb is supposed to be killed. We believe Yahusha will keep, not break the appointed times. And so Yahusha must follow the schedule that Yahuwah has placed when it comes to when the lamb is to be killed. Now, did Yahusha follow the appointed time or Moedim? Yes, and this is found in scripture. Let's go now to the New Testament in Matthew 26, 55 to 56. In that hour, Yahushua said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And all the disciples forsook him and fled. At this point, Yahushua was about to be arrested. And when they came to arrest Yahushua, Yahushua said, look, I sat with you teaching in the temple, but you did not arrest me. There's a reason for that, Yahushua said. All this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. In other words, what Yahushua is saying is that everything that's happening is happening at the appointed time, including his arrest. You see, Yahushua was arrested. He was tried. He was crucified. And he died all on the 14th day of the first month. This is why Yahushua said in Matthew 26, 1 to 2, now it came to pass when Yahushua had finished all these things that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. So Yahushua knows the timetable. He knows the Moedim or appointed times. He knows when he's supposed to die. When is that? on Passover or on the 14th day of Nisan. So what do we need to understand about the festival of the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew people? In Leviticus 23, 4 down to 8, we know the first day of the first month is called the Passover, right? And then the day after that, what is that called? On the 15th, we have the 14th, Passover, right? On the 15th, what do we call that? The Feast of unleavened bread and this feast lasts for how long it lasts for seven days beginning on 
the 15th. So we have the 14th Passover. The following day begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which lasts for seven days. On the first day and the second day of unleavened bread, it is to be a special Sabbath. Even if it doesn't fall on a Saturday, it is considered what? A special Sabbath. There's a holy convocation and they will do no customary work on it. So the 14th, Passover. The 15th, that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that's also a special what? Sabbath. Keep that in mind because that's crucial when, when we look for clues concerning when Yahusha resurrected and when he dies. And so fast forward to the Christian era. And so during the Christian era, the people of God, they basically united the 14th and the 15th. And they called it the Passover. They called it Passover or unleavened bread because the 14th and the 15th, they're basically related, which is why one follows the other. They're connected. They are related. And so what was this called? The first day of Passover or Passover. What did it eventually become? What was it called eventually in John 19, 14 and 16? Now it was the preparation day of the Passover. So the, the Bible mentions a preparation day of the Passover. And what was this Passover? And what is this preparation day? In Luke 2.41-43, his parents, whose parents is that? Yahushua's parents, right? His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. What is this feast of the Passover? It's referring to the Passover plus unleavened bread. They combined it. Because they have to make that trip to Jerusalem, right, for that special feast. But they go there and they celebrate it as a whole. And so it begins with um, the preparation day and then the rest of the feast. And so he, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Yahusha lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. So this feast of Passover is composed of many days. That's why the Bible says um, when they finished the days, it's not just one day. This feast of the Passover lasted many days. How many days? Total of eight days, right? What's the first day called? The preparation for the Passover, which is Passover itself, the 14th. And then the 15th to the 21st, what is that called? The unleavened bread. Okay. So according to the Torah, the people of God are to observe the Passover, the 14th, and the Feast of Tabernacles, 15th to the 21st. During the Christian era, the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles celebration became known as the Feast of Passover or simply unleavened bread, which was in totality, an eight-day celebration. What was the first day of this celebration called? The preparation day of the Passover, which was the 14th when the Passover lambs were killed. And so what happened on the preparation day of Passover? John 19, 14 and 16. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover. What day is that again? The 14th of 
Aviv, the 14th of first, the first month. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him, Yahushua, to be crucified. So they took Yahushua and led him away. So Yahushua was crucified on preparation day of the Passover. But when did he die? Well, right after he was crucified. Was it still preparation day? John 19, 30, 33. So when Yahushua had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day. What day is that again? The 14th of the first month that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might uh, be taken away. And the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other two, of, uh, and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Yahushua and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So when was Yahushua confirmed dead on the preparation day? What is that? The 14th. If the 14th is the preparation day, the 15th is what? Unleavened bread, which means it is a special Sabbath. This is why if you read the passage, because it was preparation day, the body should not remain on the cross the following day on the Sabbath, where because that Sabbath was a high day. It was a special day, the beginning of unleavened bread. And so it was requested that the bodies be taken out of the cross. This is why Pilate agreed with the Jews because the Jews requested it. And so they took the bodies down and Yahushua, when they saw him, well, they found that he was already dead. There was no need to break his leg. So according to John, Yahushua died on the 14th, the Passover. According to Matthew, Mark, Luke, they even specified the time. According to Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, he died on the 14th of the first month and on the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. So he died 3 p.m. in the afternoon. According to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all agree that he died on the day of Passover, the 14th of the first month. So when we look at the timeline, right, this is the first first month, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. We know the first month, uh, the 14th of the first month is when Yahushua dies. And so Yahushua fulfilled it. He died on Passover. He died on when the lambs were supposed to die during Passover, the 14th day of the first month. So Yahushua fulfilled the Moedim. Did Yahushua fulfill the other Moedim, the other appointed times? Because we know we started with Passover. Now, what do we have next? We have unleavened bread. We have the Feast of Fruits. Did he also fulfill this other Moedim? Let's read Leviticus 23, 6 down to 8. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to Yahuwah. And we looked at this earlier. So this is the next appointed feast. And this is supposed to take place on the 15th. So the 15th marks the first day of unleavened bread. And what is supposed to happen on the, on the, during the days of unleavened bread? 
we know that unleavened bread represents something symbolically. And we know that it points forward to who? Yahusha HaMashiach. And what will Yahusha do to fulfill this Moedim or appointed time? Well, to what is, what is the reason why there's this piece called unleavened bread where they're not supposed to eat leavened bread? It's supposed to be bread without yeast. What did that symbolize? The book of Corinthians 5, 7, remove the old yeast of sin so that you may be a new batch of dough since you don't actually have the yeast of sin. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So according to Apostle Paul, what is symbolized by leaven or yeast? It is sin. And so we're supposed to remove sin from our life. We need to, have, we need to be focused on maintaining a pure life, especially during this feast of unleavened bread. This is why we will fulfill this as a memorial, right? During the feast of unleavened bread this coming year, 2022. This year, 2022, I should say, we will not eat leavened bread for seven days. That's not too much of a sacrifice, is it? And we will also fulfill its spiritual purpose. What is that? We will do our best to keep ourselves from committing sin, okay? And so we know we do this as best as we can every day, but more so on this appointed festival. And so what did also, what did Yahusha also say about himself? Yahusha said, John saw Yahusha coming toward him the next day. Look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Yahusha is likened to the Lamb of God. And he also likens himself to bread. And Yahusha said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Yahusha is likened to a lamb to fulfill the feast of Passover, the Passover, right? He's also likening himself to what? To bread to fulfill the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But to, to fulfill the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what has to happen to Yahushua? In the book of John 12, 23 to 24, but Yahushua answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, take note, what is bread made of? Wheat. Made of grain, right? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And the voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Again, so Yahushua is speaking about his death and burial. That's why he said, unless a grain, a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies. So Passover, he dies. Unleavened bread, he's speaking about when he's going to be buried. And so it is about his burial. And when was Yahushua buried? Luke 23, 50 to 56. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented uh, to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea, 
a city, the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Yahushua. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. What kind of Sabbath? A special Sabbath or a high Sabbath. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So when was Yahushua buried? Shortly after he was resurrected. And so when he died, what did Joseph do? He asked for the body of Yahushua, took it down. And before Sabbath ended, or before Sabbath began, I should say, before sundown, Yahushua was already in the tomb. John 19, 31, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now, why was this request made by the Jews? Because there's a law in the Torah which states the following. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which Yahuwah, your God, is giving you as an inheritance. And so Yahushua had to be buried right away before sundown, before the day ended. He had to be buried. And so he was buried exactly when the 14th ended and the 15th began. And so he was buried by the time the Feast of Unleavened Bread began. Okay, so Yahushua was killed on the 14th, and he was buried right as soon as the 15th or the Feast of Unleavened Bread began. And so what is Yahushua doing? He's following the Moedim. Okay, so Yahushua dies on the 14th, buried on the 15th. And the question is, how long must Yahushua remain in the grave? Well, let's look at the clues. What does the Bible say concerning how long Yahushua must remain in the grave? In John 2, 19-21, Yahushua answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. So Yahushua says, in three days, I will raise it up, okay? In Mark 8, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And so here, Yahushua says, after three days, rise again. Earlier, he said, in three days. Now he's saying, after three days. And then Mark 9.31, for he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. And so we have here several statements from Yahushua himself, right? And so these are the statements of Yahushua. He will rise the third day in three days and after three days. Here's my question. Which of these is correct? One, two, or three? 
all three are correct. But for all three to be correct, what would that mean? Well, let's examine it one by one. Let's look at the phrase, the third day. Well, Yahusha said he would rise the third day. This narrows the period uh, to no less than 48 hours and no more than 72 hours from his death. Does that make sense? Because you can say he start, the, the, the uh, clock started ticking, let's say Friday afternoon, and then Saturday, that's 24 hours. Sunday, that's another 24 hours. So still Sunday, he can resurrect on if it's 48 hours, it would still be considered the third day, okay? So, but it could also go all the way to 72 hours and still be considered the third day. And so it gives us a, a period, an interval of time where if we satisfy this interval of time, we meet this requirement of the third day. But it also says in three days, right? He also said in three days, he would rise. The outer limit for the duration of his stay in the grave could be no more than 72 hours. So this gives like a boundary, a cap. It can't be more than 72 hours, okay? But then he also said two other times, it is said that he would rise after three days, meaning he must be in the grave at least 72 hours and not a second less. So for us to meet all three requirements, the third day in three days, after three days, for this to be true, for all this to be true, uh, Yahusha has to be in the grave for exactly 72 hours. Because if it's not exactly 72 hours, then all three cannot be true. So for all three to be true, Yahusha must be in the grave for exactly 72 hours hours. And we have other biblical evidence that tells us Yahushua must be in the grave for 72 hours. What is that? What's the proof? Let's, let's look at Matthew 12, 38 to 40. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, the sign that Yahushua gave, and this sign is magnificent because we're asking for a sign. The Jews were asking for a sign. And Yahushua said, this is the only sign that will be given to you. But this sign is so magnificent. And it tells us so much. What does Yahushua say? What is the sign that was given to them? It was the sign concerning what happened to Jonah. Remember what happened to Jonah? He was swallowed up by the great fish. And he was in the belly for three days and three nights. Take note. It doesn't just say three days. It is very specific. Three days and three nights. It didn't just say three days, but three days and three nights. What was the purpose of Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights? Yahushua said, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The heart of the earth is an idiom for the grave. So Yahushua would be in the grave. He would be dead for how long? Three days and three 
night. Now, according to Bible scholars, for example, this quote from Bollinger's Companion Bible for Jonah 117, three days and three nights, it's an idiom, right? The Hebrew idiom, three days, can be used for parts of three days and even of years. Remember the article we read earlier? How are they able to reconcile three days and Friday, dying on Friday and resurrecting on Sunday when they considered part of the day as a whole day, right? So that's considered true if you say three days. But take a look at what he says next. But not when the word nights is added. <laughs> By the addition of nights, the expression three days and three nights becomes more specific, precluding the idea of parts of days. And so when you have three days, you can have part of a day as a whole day. But if it says three days and three nights, what does that mean? It means it has to be three days and three nights, or you can have parts of a day. It's a whole 24-hour day. So three whole 24-hour periods. And even Yahushua defined for us how long a day is and how long a night is. In John 11, 9 to 10, Yahushua answered, are there not how many 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So Yahushua defined for us a day, which is how long? 12 hours, which means 12 hours of night. And so according to Yahushua, how long is three days and three nights? 72 hours. 24 times three is 72. So the plain meaning is that Yahushua recognized the 12 hours of daylight to form a day and the corresponding 12 hours of darkness he called night. Thus, three days and three nights does not mean part of a day, a whole day and part of another day. No, it means three days and three nights is uh, six 12-hour periods or three 24-hour periods, which is a total of how long of an interval? 72 hours. And so Yahushua would be in the grave for exactly 72 hours, not parts of a day, a whole day, and another part of a day. Okay, so if we have the biblical, the scriptures giving us the details concerning when Yahushua is going to be in the grave, let's go back to our timeline. And so what we see is if Yahushua was killed on the 14th, right? And it's exactly three days and three nights, he would be resurrected on the 17th, right? If it's three days and three nights, he would be resurrected on the 17th. And if it's true that Yahushua died on a Friday, okay, let's, let, let's consider Yahushua died on a Friday. If it's three days and three nights, then how long, when should Yahushua be resurrected? The 17th would correspond to what day? Monday. And so the person answered the question is correct, right? If Yahushua did die on a Friday, three days later, it would be what? Monday. Monday afternoon, he would resurrect. Um, but I believe he did not die on a Friday. I believe he died on a Wednesday, you know? But it all depends on when the 14th begins. Because the 14th of the first month, it could fall on different days, depending on the year, right? 
But how, why do we? Why do I believe, anyways? Okay, we don't. Like I said, you don't have to believe what I believe. But why do I believe that Yahushua died on a Wednesday? Because remember, Yahushua has to fulfill Moedim. So far, he's fulfilled what? Passover, he dies. Piece of unleavened bread, what happens to him? He is buried, right? And he's going to stay in the grave for three days and three nights. This is from the time he was killed on the 14th. But there's another Moedim. What's the next one after the Feast of Unleavened Bread? I forgot. What's the next one? We have Passover 14th, 15th Feast of Unleavened Bread. What do we have next? You forgot already? The Feast of First Fruits. And this was to be fulfilled when they enter the Promised Land. This is what uh, Yahuwah tells Moses in Leviticus 23, 10 to 11. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before Yahuwah to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall Wave it. And so what is the next Moedim or appointed time that is to be fulfilled? It is the waving of the sheaf of the first fruits. When is this supposed to take place? When they enter the promised land. So when they enter the promised land on the first month, which is Aviv, right? And so they have the uh, barley offering. The first fruits, the first reaping of the harvest. The first sheaf is to be waved by the priest. And this ceremony is called the Feast of First Fruits. Take note, when will this when will the sheaf of the first fruits be waved before Yahuwah? When is it supposed to take place? Yeah, uh, after the Sabbath. Remember, the 14th of Nisan, it can fall on any day. It depends on the year. But the Feast of First Fruits is fixed. It always takes place after the Sabbath. In this case, it's the regular Sabbath. It is on a Sunday. Okay. So the ceremony of the First Fruits were in the on Sunday, Sunday after the Sabbath, the priest shall wait. Okay. So it will be done on a Sunday. You get it? You have the first of you have the Passover, you have the feast of unleavened bread, and then the first fruits will be done after the Sabbath. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. It is a way of celebrating the first fruit that was harvested. This is why it's called the feast of first fruit. Okay, now when was the sheaf waved? According to the Bible and also according to the testimony of history, uh, histories of the time show that it was waived about the same time as the daily morning sacrifice. That is about 9 a.m. on Sunday. You see, the Hebrew people had to, uh, serve to uh, sacrifice times, the afternoon time of the evening sacrifice and the daily uh, morning sacrifice. And so the Feast of First Fruits, it was done. Uh, at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. And so Yahushua, how, will, how does this relate to Yahushua, the Feast of First Fruits? Well, Corinthians 15, 23, 
but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. And so what we're talking about here is Apostle Paul talking about a subject in 1 Corinthians 15. You know what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 15? This is your homework. Read Corinthians 15. And Apostle Paul is talking about what? Resurrection. And when in talking about resurrection, Apostle Paul says, when you plant a seed and it dies in the earth, when it, after it dies, it begins to germinate and you get a new fruit, right? That's like when you are, when we are resurrected, we will not look exactly the way we look. We will look different from how we look now because when we die with perishable bodies, we will resurrect with imperishable bodies, glorious bodies. That's the topic of Corinthians chapter 15. And he says the first fruit, the first one to be resurrected with the glorious body is who? Yahusha. And so the first fruits has to do with the celebration of the resurrection. And so Yahusha is going to be commemorated. There will be a celebration of Yahusha's resurrection. So the reaping and waving of the sheep symbolized Israel giving the first and best of the harvest to God and its subsequent acceptance by him. It is this symbolism. Remember, Yahushua is fulfilling Moedim. He fulfilled Passover, unleavened bread. Now he's fulfilling piece of first fruits. This symbolism is what Yahushua fulfilled. As the weekly Sabbath was ending, exactly 72 hours from his death, God resurrected him from the dead. Yahushua presented himself reaped or risen at, as the first and best of Yahuwah's spiritual, spiritual harvest on the day after the Sabbath on a Sunday, okay? So when we look at the Moedim timeline, we have the 14th is when Yahushua is killed. He's buried, but by the time the 15th comes, he's already buried. He's buried at the beginning of the 15th. He's resurrected on the Sabbath on the 17th. And then he, he is presented, he presents himself to the people, right? He presents himself to the women and to the people on, on that Sunday. And so that's the first fruits ceremony. And so we know it's a Sunday, which means the 17th, the day of, the day of his resurrection would be what day? Saturday, right? And because he died exactly, I mean, he was in the grave for exactly three days, 72 hours, this would mean, if we work out the math backwards, it would mean he died on a Wednesday, right? And so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then that's when uh, he resurrects on a Saturday, right before the beginning of Sunday. And then he is presented. He presents himself to the people as risen. And so Yahuwah, brings Yahusha before the people as risen as a celebration of first fruit. So Yahusha becomes the first fruit among those who will rise again. So our timeline looks like this. Saturday is the triumphal entry when he enters Jerusalem. Tuesday after sundown, the Last Supper or Passover. Wednesday, the crucifixion on Passover. Yahusha dies before sundown when evening was come. Jo Joseph of Arimathea lays Yahusha in the tomb. Thursday, 
the high holy day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The grave was sealed on order of Pilate and a watch was set. Friday, the women prepared the burial spices. Saturday, Yahushua rose from the grave in the afternoon. Sabbath, resurrection. It's not Sunday resurrection. It's a Sabbath resurrection. And it makes sense, doesn't it? That the Lord of the Sabbath would be resurrected on a Sabbath. This is why Yahushua, if you notice, when he performed miracles, when did he perform these miracles? On the day of Sabbath. An overwhelming majority of the miracles of Yahushua was done on a Sabbath. He was the Lord of the Sabbath. He was resurrected on a Sabbath. He was buried on a special Sabbath, and he was resurrected on a regular Sabbath. And on Sunday, the tomb was found empty, and he presents himself as alive, as which is a celebration of the Feast of First Fruits. Now, when we look at the Moedim, we have some specific dates, the 14th, that corresponds to what? The death of Yahushua, right? We have the 15th when he is to be buried, right? We have the first, the Feast of First Fruits when he is to be celebrated for his resurrection, presented to Yahuwah, right? But don't you think because of the importance of resurrection that there should be a date, a specific date for his resurrection, right? We have a specific date for his death. When is that? The 14th. Doesn't it make sense that there also should be a specific date for his resurrection? Because the two go together, the death and resurrection of Yahushua. Because if the resurrection did not happen, then his death and our faith would be meaningless. Remember what Apostle Paul said? If there was no resurrection of the dead, then our faith is useless. Go ahead and eat, drink, and be merry, right? So there has to be has to be a date for the resurrection. And in fact, there is a date for the resurrection. This is why we know for sure it's not part of a day, a whole day, and part of another day. No, but it's 20, 72 hours between the time he dies and the time he resurrects. Why do we know this for sure? Let's go to 2 Peter 3, 3 to 7. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Yahushua is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Apostle Peter and even Yahushua himself, Yahushua himself connects the day of Yahushua's return with the day when the flood came and destroyed uh, humanity, right? And so we know there's this parallel between the days of Noah and the days of the end times. And so what does this bring us to? It brings us to this understanding that there is a connection between those who were saved during the days of Noah and those who will be saved when Yahushua returns. Who were saved during the days of Noah? Who were saved? Those who were inside 
the ark and who will be saved during the day when Yahushua returns. Those who are inside, Yahushua. So there's this connection. There's this parallelism between the ark of Noah and Yahushua HaMashiach. Remember many of the Old Testament, the patterns we find in the Old Testament, they point to who? Yahushua. This is especially true when it comes to the ark of Noah. This is why when we look at the ark of Noah and we look at Yahushua, we have parallels. The first parallel is they're both doors. There's a door that leads to the ark, right? And there's also a door that leads to Yahushua. So we have Genesis 6 and John 10. It's a parallel. What else? There's safety inside the ark. That's why the Bible says, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark and every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive. And so those who were inside the ark, when the flood came, they were safe. They were kept alive. Okay, there was safety inside the ark. There's also safety in Yahushua because those who are in union with Christ Yahushua, there's no condemnation. Outside of Yahushua, there's condemnation. Outside the ark of Noah, there's condemnation. You're going to perish because of the flood. You see the parallelism? There's safety inside. What else? Atonement. Genesis 6.14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So the ark is completely covered with what? Pitch. The Hebrew word for pitch is kofer, which means what? It means to atone. And so the ark is a picture of atonement. It points forward to a future atonement. What is that future atonement? Well, in 1 John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so again, we have a parallel between the ark and Yahushua, right? So far we have three. What's the first one again? There's a, they're likened to doors. What's number two? There's safety inside, not outside. What's number three? It's both covered by atonement. Yahushua died for his body. And so there's atonement in his body. But there's another one, reversing the curse. In Genesis 8, 4, it says, Then the ark rested on the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And so we know that the flood covered the earth. The ark was in turbulent waters. But then eventually the, the, the ark rests on Mount Ararat. And when it rested on Mount Ararat, that basically means everything already died. All those who did not survive the flood are already dead. And so when, he re when the ark rested on Ararat, it marked a new beginning, a new beginning. And it turns out the name Ararat, if you look at the Hebrew meaning of Ararat, it has a meaning. It has a special meaning that is that reveals so much about what's going to happen in the future. Because remember, there's a parallel between the ark and Yahushua. And so if the ark rested on Mount Ararat, Ararat actually means the curse reversed. So it's going to be a new world. The curse will be reversed. And so how was this fulfilled in Yahushua? In Galatians 3, 13 and 14, Christ 
redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who is sung on a tree. Uh, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Yahushua, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And so Yahushua reversed the curse when he died and resurrected. This is why we need to know when that resurrection took place. And we have the clue in Genesis 8, 4. Do you see it? Do you see the clue for when Yahushua is going to be resurrected in Genesis 8, 4? You see the clue? What do you see there? The seventh month. The 17th day of the seventh month. When was Yahushua killed? 14th day of the first month. And when is Yahushua supposed to be resurrected? On the 17th day of the first month. Wait a minute. This says seventh month. It doesn't say first month. It says seventh month. Well, what time is that? This was before Israel became the nation of God. You see, Yahushua mentioned the seventh month. Because Yahu, uh, Yahuwah mentioned seventh month because he was anticipating a change in the future. And what was that? What, what, what did Yahuwah already know? In Exodus 12, Yahuwah said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month, which was the seventh, this was the seventh month, okay? This month, the seventh month, is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. The animals you choose must be uh, year old males without defect and you must take them from the sheep or the goats, take care of them until the 14th day of this month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So according to the Holy Scriptures, the seventh day, the seventh month became the first month. So when we look at Genesis 8-4, looking forward during the day of Yahushua, that seventh month is really what? The first month. And so this really means the 17th day of the first month. There is rest, right? The ark finds rest on Ararat and the curse is reversed. Isn't that amazing? Because the 17th, when we look at the Moedim timeline, where is that in the timeline? It is on Sabbath. What happened on Sabbath? Yahusha resurrected. When was he killed? The 14th. How many days between the 14th and 17th? Three days. 72 hours. Not parts of one day, a whole day, and parts of another day. This is why if Yahusha died on Friday and resurrected on, on Sunday, it doesn't fit the pattern that we find in Genesis. What fits the pattern found in Genesis? This timeline right here. Wednesday he died and he resurrects on a Saturday, a Sabbath day. This is why the ark landing to rest on the mountains of Ararat coincides with the resurrection of the Lord Yahushua Christ on the Sabbath day, which is a day of rest. Remember, it's going to rest on Mount Ararat. On the day of rest, Yahushua resurrects, and it's exactly 72 hours after his death. This is why I believe that Yahushua 
resurrected on the 17th of Nisan, uh, of, uh, of Aviv, and he was killed on the 14th, which is a span of 72 hours, okay? That's why I don't believe that Yahushua died on Friday and resurrected on Sunday. But the question that was also made by the one who sent this also includes Luke 23, because he says in Luke 23, 53, 54, he died on a Friday. Well, let's go ahead and read what it says in Luke 23, 53, 54. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it on a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. Hmm. So according to Luke 23, 53 to 54, when was when did Yahushua die? Friday afternoon. So what do you think we're gonna do next? What are we gonna do next? It says Friday afternoon. If you've been watching uh, our programs for quite some time now, what do we typically do? <laughs> what are we gonna do? We're gonna look at the original language. So Luke 23, 54, because in 54, it says this was done late on Friday afternoon. Is the word Friday afternoon in the passage? Well, this is the Greek, because this is not Hebrew anymore. This is Greek, right? This is the Greek. There's no Friday in the original manuscripts. It was provided by the translator of NLT, but it's not there. What do we find instead? Preparation day. Not Friday, but preparation day. This is why in Luke 23, 53 to 54, in the New King James, it says that he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that, had, that was hewn out of a rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation. It doesn't say Friday, does it? In the NLT, it was provided by the translator. And the Sabbath drew near. What Sabbath was that? Special Sabbath. So it was preparation day. And when was preparation day? John 19, 31. Now it was the day of preparation. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. And so... Yahusha did not die. It doesn't say he died on a Friday. It's possible that he died on a Friday. But we already told you the reason why it is impossible for him to die on a Friday and, and resurrect on a Saturday or, or on a Sunday, rather, right? Instead, what fits the death-resurrection timeline, if it's 72 hours between the two events, then it has to be a Wednesday. And then Saturday, he resurrects so that he can present himself as the, the first fruit, first fruits to celebrate the feast of first fruits, right? And so John 19.31 and Luke 23 tells us Yahushua died on a Passover day, a preparation day for Passover. And the following day is a special Sabbath, okay? So he did not die on a Friday, but a preparation day. And that preparation day is Wednesday. Why are we sure it's a Wednesday and not a Friday? 
Matthew 28, 1-6, after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Yahusha, who was crucified. What does the angel say? He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And so when Mary and the other Mary, when they went to the tomb, when was it? After the Sabbath, which would be what? Sunday. But there's something interesting about this passage. I want you to look at after the Sabbath. You notice anything interesting about that? Not in English. But if you look at it in the Greek, there's something interesting that, that we will see. What is that? This is how it looks like in the Greek. After now, the Sabbath. Look at the Sabbath. Right? Look at the blue letters on top of it because it tells us the parts of speech and so on and how it is parsed. Notice the letter P there. You see the letter P? That letter P indicates it's a plural. And so a literal translation of that passage is after the Sabbaths. The Sabbaths. And so what this is telling us is there are two Sabbaths. Is that possible? Yeah, how is that possible? It's possible if he was killed, not on a Friday, because if he was killed on a Friday, there's only how many Sabbaths? One. But if he was killed on a Wednesday, how many Sabbaths will we have? Yeah, <laughs> we will have two, right? If he was killed on a Wednesday, we have two Sabbaths, which is, the, which is one Sabbath, a regular Sabbath on Saturday, and which is the other Sabbath? A special Sabbath. When is that? On Thursday, right? Now it makes sense. Why it is a plural? After the Sabbaths, after Thursday, the special Sabbath, after Passover on unleavened bread, and also the regular Sabbath on Saturday. So there are two Sabbaths, and on Sunday was the feast of first fruits. This is why. When you look at the clues that the Bible gives us, there's a strong case against the belief of many today that Yahusha died on Friday and resurrected on Sunday. But there are, there's a case to be made that Yahusha died on a Wednesday and resurrected on a Sabbath day. And that makes sense because in Genesis, that's what it says, 14 and 17. Right? It doesn't mention 16. There's no 16. In Genesis, it says the ark landed not on the 16th or on the 15th, but it landed on the 17th. And so this points to Yahushua and it fits. It fits well. And so the pattern fits. And so we are led to conclude Yahushua resurrected on Sunday, uh, on Saturday. A Sabbath day and the celebration of the first fruits was 
done on Sunday when the women went to the tomb and saw that he was missing. And then he presents himself to the women at around 9 a.m. probably and to the rest of the disciples on that day of first fruits. Okay. And so you don't have to believe that he died on a Wednesday. If you want to believe he died on a Friday, that's fine. But what's important is what the angel said. The last part, the angel said, this is the most important part, brethren, because without number six, our faith is useless. Without number six, our religion will be the same religion, just like the rest of the world's religion, right? What did the angel say? He is not here. What does that mean? He has risen. And this is what makes our religion different from other religions. The other religions of the world. The leaders of the other religions of the world. What do they all have in common? The religious leaders all died and remained dead. But not our leader. Did our leader die? Yes. But the angel said, he's not here anymore. He has risen. Brethren, our faith, the Christian faith, our faith in Yahushua is the only faith that matters. Because our faith is the only faith that is based on the resurrection. And this resurrection is true. And we will prove to you that Yahushua died and resurrected using the Bible first and foremost. And also other evidences, other evidences that we have outside the Holy Bible. That Yahushua died and he resurrected. And why that means so much? Because if he resurrected, being the first fruit, we too will resurrect. Just like Yahushua resurrected. And that's reason for us to remain encouraged. And not to be afraid of death. Because even if we die, like Yahushua our king, we too will be brought back to life. That's our living hope. Based on the faith we have in our king who died. But now lives sitting at the right hand of God. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba, Yahuwah. Our loving Allahim. Thank you so much for giving us a living hope. This hope is built upon strong foundations. The foundation of your word, which we know cannot be broken. We know that you sent your beloved son. He did indeed die so that we can be saved. And he has risen according to your word, according to your moedi. We have faith in what has transpired. And so we have the living hope. And we have you, loving Abba Yahuwah, to thank for that. Thank you again and again. We will not waver in our faith. We will, to the best of our ability, remain faithful to you always. Help us, loving Abba, during times of persecution, during times of tribulation. To remain standing strong. Loving Mashiach Yahushua. We ask and beg of you to please increase our faith. Thank you. Because you sit at the right hand of Abba. 
and we know at this present time, you pray for those who profess you as their king. You are our Mashiach, and we are loyal to you. Loving Yahusha, thank you, because you watch over your servants. Please continue to love us. Continue to hold on to us. Help us to be especially strong that we may give a powerful testimony about you as we present you to many people that they can place their faith in you and possess that living hope. One day you will return. How we long for that day as we wait for your return. Teach us to be watchful. Teach us to hope and place our faith in you to fix our eyes upon thee. Help us in this life to endure until the end when we are facing many hardships, when we are sick and afflicted with disease. May you heal your servants. Strengthen us all the more that we may remain clinging to you until the end. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. You have blessed your people throughout the world. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.